0: Today on Wine Access Unfiltered. He
1: was like, I, I'm trying to eat something different every day. And I'm like, I cook different every day, you know, but it was like I had to do more. And it was really one of those like, yo, I just had a ditty moment.
0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wine Access Unfiltered podcast. I am Amanda McCrossin. I am here with Vanessa Conlin. I'm here and I'm hungry today. That is not a good thing because we're about to talk major (laughs) food
2: and... Rookie mistake. It's like going grocery shopping on an empty stomach.
0: Well, we've got Chef Kayla Greer, a.k.a. Chef KK, with us today I can't believe that it's our first chef. Like, this is wild to me that we've not had a chef on yet.
2: I know. I know. It's it's about time because it sort of opens up a whole other, you know, can of questions um, in terms of food and wine pairing. And um, and I'm super interested to ask her uh, what it's like to cook for some of these celebrities.
0: Diddy, Drake, Demi Lovato, Migos, Von Miller, and Nipsey Hussle. Like, these are very, very Big names. I would be so nervous cooking for somebody. I, well, I'm a nervous cook to begin with. Like, I don't like cooking for my family, let alone like Diddy. So I can only imagine what that's like. I can't wait to ask her. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But she also loves Italian wine and then she is allergic to slash can't do sparkling wine. And as a person who prepares food, my mind immediately when I heard that we were going to be talking to a chef, my mind immediately went to well, what are the most parable food wines? And immediately you go to champagne. So with champagne off the table, where do we go next for the most pairable food wines, knowing that she loves Italian wines um, and can't drink champagne? Well, I,
2: I like the conclusion we came to. It's a wine that I think you can drink or it's a type of wine that you can pair really with a lot of things you can drink throughout the meal or you can just drink. Yes,
0: yeah. I, you know, I think the, this is a classic for me, one that when I think of versatility in the world of wine, and then she loves red wine. So we couldn't not do a red wine. And mm-hmm. she's got some pretty high profile clients, as we've just explained. But I always think that it's really cool to have sort of hidden gem producers in your back pocket when you're working with a higher profile or celebrity clientele. You know, every anyone can rattle off the names of the most famous wines in the world. You know, I think you can do a quick Google search and find out that in Italy you've got some major players like Sassicaia and Ornellaia and Masetto. But then there's like all of these other wines that are incredible. So I wanted to maybe find her something that was high scoring that maybe wasn't as obvious as one of the wines that I just listed. That was also super delicious. So Wine Access, thank goodness, has a whole pool of those to choose from. So I'll be very curious to see how she likes what we selected for her.
2: Me too. And as always, I'm also really excited to dig into these wines. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: There is a running theme on this podcast that any wine we select, we also personally enjoy. Although I will say they're always from Wine Access. So it's a pretty high threshold of quality that we're already dealing with. So it's not like we could choose a bad wine. It's just, you know, what do Vanessa and Amanda really want to enjoy today? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, good. I'm excited to talk to her and we've got our wines open. So let's drink. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have Kayla Greer, aka Chef KK, here today. Thank
2: you for having me.
0: (laughs) You're our first chef. I'm very excited about that. I can't believe that... We have recorded I don't even know how many episodes yet, and we have not had a chef on this podcast, which is just a crying, crying shame because chefs to sommeliers are just like Batman and Robin. Right. And I'm definitely honored to be the first chef. How did you actually get to be where you are today? Like, how did you get your first client? My first
1: client came a week before I graduated culinary school. And it was like a private party for like a VH1 show at the time, Candy Girls or something. I don't know. (laughs) But (laughs) I got my first client just through word of mouth. They were a family, a husband and wife. Um, The husband played for the Clippers. And it was through my sister's husband played basketball at the time. And so it was like through him. And then it was just word of mouth. And then Instagram came out and I was like posting food on Instagram all the time. And I was doing deliveries, literally cooking in my house. And then randomly I got a call and it was to do a um, party Super Bowl party for Drake. Oh, was it like an
0: actual phone call? Like, did someone like call you up? and They're like, hey, Chef KK, we got your number. Can you come and cook for Drake?
1: It was a message on Twitter. Okay. <laughs>
0: it was a from a
1: friend and it was like, are you available tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And they're, they're just like, okay, it's for Drake. And I'm just like, Oh, yeah. I'm super fucking available. Like, oh I'm so available. I've never been more available in my life. <laughs> Everything just happened so quickly. They like sent me what they wanted. They came and actually like brought me the funds to like get started. And from that very moment, it was like the middle of the day, day before Super Bowl. It was like the Super Bowl where Beyonce performed. So it was like a really good Super Bowl. Um at that point it was kind of like a domino effect where i had met him and then i like met a couple other people too like i had met like my other favorite favorite client um michael crabtree mm. and it's super bowl and it's all star weekend it's like back to back and i did super bowl for drake and then i like flew to houston and i did all star weekend for michael crabtree and i just like didn't sleep for four days and it was just incredible. <laughs> and then I just built this relationship with Drake. And maybe six or seven months later, he like posted me on his Instagram. Whoa. And I had already been working for him at this point. And I remember my sister was like, Oh, just, you know, my, my sister, I'm really close with my sister, so I reference her a lot. But she was just like, Oh, just don't post, you know, don't, don't post Drake. Like, don't, you know, just keep it confidential, you know. And I was like, Okay. And I'm just listening and stuff. And then he posted me and Everybody just started. It, it just went crazy Whoa. after that. He posted me on his page. And I remember he was like, it was a picture of me. He was like a chef, a, a knife and a smile or something. It was a caption or something like that. <laughs> Man, I mean, he had just got his Instagram back too. like, at that point, I didn't even know his Instagram name. Like I didn't even know who a champagne poppy w- was on Instagram. Yeah. And I remember that day, my phone, my notifications on Instagram did not stop going off for almost like 24 hours. Like Holy I couldn't shit. even use my phone. My notifications have not been on Instagram since because of that day when my <laughs> notifications would not stop going off. I couldn't even use my phone. It was crazy for like almost a day. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so many people started following me. And that's just how amazing Drake is because it's like other people have posted me since then, of course. And my phone has never like just gone off like that ever since I got thousands of followers when he posted me. Oh my gosh. It it got crazy. I had to like take my email off of my page and all type of stuff because he posted me on his page and I really got a following and a fan base from that. And then from there... Um, referral-based has led me to where I am today. Every single last client I have has been a referral. I just like, I just embrace it. And I just realize you're only as good as your last job. You know, every single time you have to go in and you have to do your best and you have to just, you know, love what you're doing and like just be creative and be yourself and be respectful. And that's taken me a long way too, is that I respect my clients so much that, What's on the internet and what's on my page, it's not even half of what I do. You know, somehow, someway, I think the gods are on my side when it comes to the confidentiality. And mm-hmm. it's been a process and it's gotten me to where I am today of just staying creative and staying involved and paying attention and loving what I do.
0: Well, we heard that you had a few wine preferences or, or I should say things that you're intrigued by. I also interestingly heard that you cannot drink sparkling wine or champagne. Is this true? Well, it's not
1: necessarily champagne. It's just cheap champagne. It's weird. It's like sparkling beverages give me allergies. What is it? Um, Blue Moon. And not just wine.
0: Blue Moon, right? Like a half of
1: That gives me allergies. Woo, really bad. Wheat beer. Exactly.
2: It's the wheat.
0: Well, I will be sure to only ever drink fancy, fancy champagne with you, which is really all Vanessa and I drink anyway.
2: This is going to work out great.
0: Exactly. (laughs) On occasion, we drink um, stuff that's a little less expensive, but just, you know, is made by the best people and we just got a good deal in it. But that said, being a chef, we definitely wanted to give you a food friendly wine, which for some of is champagne is like the ultimate in versatility when it comes to food pairings. The other wine that I think is super versatile is Rosé. And I think Rosé is one of those slightly overlooked wines because, you know, you drink by the pool, you, you know, it's sort of become a a mainstay at the beach. Um, Certainly it's the water of the south of France, but Rosé is actually a really, really versatile wine when it comes to a wide array of foods. So we chose this County Line Rosé. It's 2019, uh, kind of a low alcohol, dry style wine. So this to me, you know, does all the things that we love about champagne. It has all those qualities, but it's just... In a still wine and hopefully will not trigger any sort of allergic reaction for you.
1: So far, so good. It really, really does taste quite amazing, actually. I'm not maddened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you a rose fan in general? Is this a is this a gochi of yours? I was never I've never been a rose fan. Um
1: I it has triggered my allergies before. Um I actually was in Turks earlier this year and my client was drinking Whispering Angels, left and right. And I tried it and I was like, oh my God, I found a rosé that I like and it's Whispering Angels. So I love it. Yeah. So, but I I didn't, I haven't really like gotten into rosés much. So that was like my opening door of like, okay,
0: I can do a rosé. I was in New York City when rosé was being repopularized, I guess. It was sort of a resurgence. And I always thought, Pink wine was white simponel. So I could not understand for the life of me why these like fancy people, because I was working this fancy private club, why these people were interested in drinking pink wine, but they were drinking Domaine Ott. And that was sort of the fur my first entree. But then after Domaine Ott, it was a whispering angel because they had it at all like the beach clubs and you could pretty much get it anywhere. And back when there wasn't a million rosés in the shelves, like it was Domaine Ott, it was whispering angel and like maybe one other. Oh, I used to sell
2: box rosés in New York, like three liters Is it like a New York thing? One of the stores where I was buyer for was very close to Central Park. And, you know, in the summer, so many people, they go, they picnic, or there are all the concerts in the park. So this actually, this was not like, you know, a a cheap box. It was actually like fairly expensive, very, very nice dry wine from the south of France. But it was actually like quite delicious. And, you know, you have a little tap on it and you could like stick it in your fridge. It's just dangerous because you're like walking by the fridge and you're like, oh, Oh, (laughs) just pour myself a glass. And you can't really see how much wine is in the box. So (laughs) could be a little dangerous, but but so great for taking to the park. (laughs) The next thing you know, you're on your second box. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Next thing you know, it's midnight in Central Park and there's a security guard tapping on the shoulder. That's really what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. When you're cooking, do you usually have a glass of something open um, during that process? And if you do, what is it?
1: Oh, so I usually don't because I'm usually cooking like at work Mm -hmm. at a client's house. So I tried, you know, I I mean, I would look crazy with a glass of wine on the counter. But (laughs) but sometimes, you know, on a special occasion or something, I usually go for like a red and it just like it's really fun sipping it and then cooking because it's continuously like cleaning my palate and, you know, getting my like taste buds activated and my senses activated. And maybe it's just my comfort zone because that's what I'm just usually like gravitate towards. And that's just like my regular, but I mean, wine with cooking is like salt and pepper, you know, it just goes. And I really, really wish I could actually have a glass of wine on the counter nine times out of 10.
0: if you were my chef I wouldn't judge you um so by all by all means uh but it's it's interesting because you you bring up a a good point about wine and food sort of being like salt and pepper and I obviously having had a career in which my job was to do that on a fairly regular basis believe in food pairings but I'm curious as a chef what is your take
1: oh my gosh I had the best wine And food pairing ever in my life. It was in Napa, California. Yes. OMG. You know, the Raiders train there every year. Yeah. At the time, my client, Michael Crabtree, he had me there. I was the whole training camp. Ooh! In my spare time, of course, I'm eating my way through Napa every day. And I had this oyster with a jalapeno white wine. What? It was the best thing I've ever had in my life. It was the best wine pairing I've ever had in my life. It was a freshly shucked oyster and a jalapeno white wine. And it was the most magical thing that's ever happened. Like I've never experienced
0: a wine pairing like that before. It was unbelievable. Like, wow, it was magical. I have so many questions. First of all, Jalapeno and white wine. How did were they? Was it infused? Like, where was the jalapeno in this equation? I think it was infused. That was like the
1: bottle. It was like it was inf- It wasn't like freshly pieces or anything like that. It was like yeah. Uh, it was like an essence. So it was like the smell. It was a like mm. very light flavor. Yeah, it was just like this essence of jalapeno on a white wine. I'm trying to think. That had to have been like three or four years ago. But I ate the oyster. I drank the wine and. Was completely blown away and then literally was like, now I understand wine pairings. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was like, where is this? Okay, huh. so it was at, it was like a little uh, food hall. Oh, in like Oxbow, That's like kind of in their downtown, yeah, like in their little downtown area. Was this at a restaurant? So it was like a, a, a food kitchen hall type of thing. And um, in the back of
0: it was like an oyster bar.
1: Oh, it's Hog Island. Hog Island. Hog Island, exactly. Yeah, I went to Hog Island. It was at Hog Island. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Vanessa, how many times have we been to Hog Island? We've
2: I've never heard of this. A million gazillion times, and I've never heard of that. I feel like they've been holding out on us. <laughs> yeah. It was <laughs>
0: they owe you. I've never heard of this. I love that that was your your entree into food and wine pairing because I think also as a chef, like you're so much more aware of the flavors in your mouth and how acids play with fats and salt plays with sweet. And like I think. For staffs to not understand food and wine pairings or just not appreciate them or engage in them. It's just such a, for me, it was, it was what I, why I got into the wine business because I loved food growing up. And wine, just like I, I've talked about it before, wine was like somebody threw color on on the canvas for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, this is like all of these flavors that I've never experienced before and are coming out. Interestingly, this rosé is, is designed to be an oyster rosé. So champagne and oyster is a super classic pairing. Uh, the winemaker for this wine wanted a rosé that would sort of do the same thing. So there's a lot of brininess and like tropical notes. I think this rosé, like if you wanted to get super specific about the pairing for this, I would go like West Coast oysters, something with that's like a little smaller, salty, but also has like a little sweetness. Cause there's a lot of um, subtle like papaya and melon. And uh-huh. um, I tasted mm. I think- I, I, the papaya.
1: Wow. As you said that, I'm like, oh my God, I taste this really fruity like flavor and it, it's papaya. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Delicious. Like beautiful with oysters, obviously we can see that, but also what I love about rosé and what makes it so special and so unique is you could take this same wine, put it with oysters, but then on the other side of your buffet table, you've got like a whole plate of charcuterie, whole plate of cheese. Then you have maybe barbecue after, and this wine takes you all the way through your day from oyster to barbecue and like it's probably not the best pairing to do with barbecue however it's going to work and that's why I love it because it just like it's one of those like items that's like a mainstay in your closet that just like kind of no matter what you put it with it kind of works I can I can see it it's because of the fruitiness and and how papaya
1: papaya has that weird kind of like earthy Smell and tone Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. So like To just say It will go with barbecue It makes perfect sense Because I can literally taste like A barbecue sauce Mm. In my mouth Like with the papaya And like You know That brown sugar And like That smoky And like You know Sweet um, Flavors God Barbecue I just want a piece of barbecue right now Just so I can taste it And see (laughs) Because I I get it Like I really get it Wow So
2: I'm curious, you're obviously you work with food for a living, but is is there any one, you know, ingredient that you really don't like to work with? That like if a client says like, oh, I want this tonight, you're like, "Ugh."
1: (laughs) (laughs) not really. You know what? I don't like frying food. That's probably my pet peeve. Is it because it's messy or it just... It's messy. It's just always a thing. My least thing is is frying food. I'm just not a big fryer.
0: Is there a most requested item that your clients ask you for? Kale Caesar salad. Kale Caesar salad? That is your most requested?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is the funniest thing is that my clients do not request food for me. They want me to create That's great. I've just noticed it. I don't get requests and sometimes like I need a request, you know, like Mm. request something for me so that I can just do it and I don't always get that. Yeah. I would say um, uh, I make this like baked chicken. So I have a seasoning that's about to come out and it has my seasoning on it. It's literally just my seasoning and canola oil and I bake it in the oven on 400 for about 35, 40 minutes and the skin gets really crispy and the flavors from the seasoning. I I get that request from a particular client every every single time, 100%. That would be the first thing that would come to my mind as far as like, requested meals. Other than that, I don't
0: really get requests. They just kind of like give you, is it carte blanche? I mean, are there any parameters? Like, are, are there dietary restrictions that you work with or?
1: You know, it's like you're dealing with celebrities. So one week they're, you know, they need all the comfort food in the world. And next week they're just like, I need vegan, you know? And then the next week it's just like, yeah, make me a burger. And then it, it, it goes back and forth. So the creativity that they request for me, I think, Um,
2: is what they're requesting. So I'm curious about your seasoning then. Is this like a secret recipe or can you tell us what's in this amazing seasoning?
0: It is. Look at her face. She's like, yes. It's my secret
1: recipe. (laughs) It's it's like my signature um, flavor profile. It's usually, so what, what ended up happening is I always use the same seasonings on almost pretty much everything that I cook, unless it's like a more ethnic, you know, say I'm making Asian uh, Asian food and I need to add more garlic and, or I'm making Mexican food. And so I need to add some cumin, you know, but nine times out of 10, my base for my seasonings are the same. Um, and so I was like, Oh, let me make a seasoning blend. Um, and that's how this came about, and so yeah, it's really savory. It's really, really, really delicious, and it is my sig- signature like flavor um, that everybody loves so much. So it's 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 special, and I'm gonna make sure to get one for both of you guys. Yes,
0: I need to try it. Oh yes, please, soon as they become available. <laughs> so besides chicken, what do you put this seasoning on? Is it just like an like an all purpose? Like, can I put it on eggs? Like, can I? Could I put it on tacos? First of all, you
1: said the magic word, which is eggs, because that is my favorite thing to put it on. (laughs) I When I'm at home, you know how they say like chefs eat like garbage. Like, you know, we just eat a bowl of cereal or something. And it's just so true. Like when I'm at home, I'll make like a soft boiled egg and then just put the seasoning over it. And I'm just so satisfied. Um, but it is definitely all purpose. You can eat it on everything. Rice, pasta, eggs, chicken, tacos, spaghetti, you know, anything you can just add it Mm -hmm. to soup. It's, it's all purpose. It's not really salty. So it's like, you can add a lot of it. And it's like, the more you add, the more flavor. And it's just, it's a really, really, really amazing seasoning. And I'm just, I cannot wait for the world to try it. So Yeah, it's really I can't
0: wait to try it. Yeah, you know, on the egg topic, because I grew up kind of hating eggs and it was because they were never cooked properly. And I grew up in the East Coast where eggs and butter are something that you get in a grocery store and they're not the correct color. So when I moved to California, I was introduced to farm fresh eggs. First of all, that was a revelation in and of itself because
1: with the orange yolk, right?
0: Yes, this is what I'm talking about. The color. My whole life, I had no idea that a yolk was to be the color of a sunset. I did not know that. I grew up with like, you know, BS eggs that were like some wacky shade of yellow. And so when I moved to California, I got these eggs. And they were like farm fresh eggs. There was like chickens all around. And somebody was like, yeah, like the chickens in my backyard, like they get my dinner scraps. And I was like, yeah, what do you mean? This is wild. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I discovered California Strauss Creamery Butter. Oh, my God. My life. Over the past five years, just that that alone has increased my quality of life by a tenfold of about five <laughs> because cooking like a fried egg in Strauss butter with Maldon salt and like some cracked pepper was a mm. game changer, mm. like absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. So um, for those of you listening, if you've not had proper California butter and proper farm fresh eggs... You need that in Chef KK's seasoning and spice.
2: Yes. When you started talking about butter <laughs> and malden salt, I started thinking radishes because yes. that's what I like to do is just dip the radish in the butter and some salt. Wait, Ooh.
1: radish? Radish in butter? <gasps> and so- Yes. Oh, yeah. A fresh radish? This is
0: like a... F-
2: oh, yeah. Fresh radish, not cooked. You just dip dip it in some really good quality butter. Like softened butter. A little, like- <laughs> no
0: way. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. This is why I
1: love food, because it just never ceases <laughs> to amaze me. Like,
0: butter and salt on a radish. It is so. What? And this delicious glass of rosé truly one of my favorite things to do in life, like sit outside in the sun, glass of rosé, a bowl of radishes, softened butter, and a little maldon sea salt. Um, um, oh my, my
1: mind is blown. Like
0: it's just. Can I take it one step further for you? Because this this was turned on its head by a chef that I worked with at Press, uh, who had worked at Blue Hill Stone Barns, and he did uh, a take on that. And his take was bacon butter. So instead of the maldon salt, he would do fresh chopped bacon in the softened butter, and with a tray of vegetables around it. So you. You dipped the radish in the bacon butter and that was the like the salt butter component. Wow. That, <gasps> yeah.
1: Is, that, yeah, that's truly, truly magical. I have to try that. Is it just like a regular radish or like, or like a watermelon radish or what, what type of?
0: I, th- I mean, I typically do regular, but I, I think watermelon's fine. I, I don't know why it works. It, yeah. it actually seems almost counterintuitive, but it works beautifully. It's like chips and dip. Yeah, true. Kind of like a starchy root vegetable. Yeah, well, now that everyone's like sufficiently hungry for all things (laughs) radish and barbecue, uh, we do have a red wine, which we haven't even gotten to yet, which is your favorite. (laughs) Uh, So we have this Brunello. And this was sort of a challenge because I had heard that you like Italian wines. You've been to Italy, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: I was in Siena. Um, I flew into Rome. We drove to Siena. And then we drove to Florence. Then we drove back to Rome. And then we drove back to Siena. So I was there for like two weeks.
0: Oh, amazing. Did you have any great discoveries while you were there? Yes, I found out about Chianti, of
1: course. And then I also found out about Pici. Pici is a noodle, a certain type of noodle. Mm. It's like a thicker spaghetti. And okay. I had the best pasta of my life at this restaurant in Siena, Italy. And it was only tomato and garlic and Pici, mm. And it was the best pasta I've ever had in my entire life. Get out of here. So at the time, my brother-in-law was playing, um, basketball and he was like the star player out there. So of course he had like a little bit of special, you know, treatment and at the restaurant that we were going to and, you know, Siena is such a small town in Italy. Um, the owner of the, uh, restaurant, he allowed me to come back and, um, cook with him. Oh, cool. Just, you know, cause I was there for two weeks. Yeah. So I was able to, he didn't speak any English and, um, he taught me how to make uh, biscottis, Ooh. and then he taught he taught me how to make the um, the pici um, with just the tomato and garlic. And uh, all my notes were in Ital- in Italian, and um, it was just like a really incredible experience. But the the funniest thing about the whole thing was that when I came back to LA. And I caught myself trying to make this pasta. I made it with these garlic and tomatoes from Los Angeles. And it just did not taste the same at all. (laughs) It was just not the same. I'm just like, you know what? Italy is just a special place because their quality of ingredients is just special. It's not what we're used to. And just for something, a dish as simple as just tomato and garlic, to taste completely different it's it just it plays on the quality of like the ingredients that we have and just really how simple food could be if i feel like we have
0: better quality ingredients you know and it also brings up this notion of terroir which is something we talk about in the wine world with the grapes and it's it's In particular, Mm -hmm. why certain wines taste the way that they do because they're from different places. So I I almost wonder if like, you know, we're super lucky in California to have the produce that we have. Um, Obviously, you know, L.A. being a a more metropolitan area, maybe not the same as we're in a rural area like Napa Valley. But
1: Napa. Oh, my God.
0: Lucky. But, you know, I, I will say like it's I'm in Florida right now. And it's a bit of a desert down here. And the quality of ingredients between what we have here versus what we have in California, even down to LA, is so unbelievably different. But it's interesting that even the quality, how different the quality is between Italy and L.A., which I think even at at an entry level in L.A., you're still getting like pretty great ingredients. But again, it goes back to terroir. Like what is in the soil? What is in the weather? Like what makes garlic and tomatoes so much different or so much better in Italy versus in California? And like, I think it's one of those unquantifiable things that we'll never really understand. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I I agree. I totally agree. Well, the moral of the story is is we have to get back to Italy, I think is is what that means. This Brunello is wonderful and so savory. Mm-hmm. I think the, these these wines actually complement each other in a way that I, I didn't expect. And there, I mean, California versus Italy, two totally different fruit profiles, but there is like a that that funky that papaya you almost get a little bit in this Brunello as well, even though it's more red fruited and not papaya.
1: Well well this one um it has some vanilla in it and i think the vanilla actually pairs well with the papaya. So that's that's probably why it's going so well. Um it it is really good. I love the way it feels. It feels just like Full and like warm, like just homey in my mouth, you know. Like mm, it just, yeah, it, it, it feels good. Like it feels good. <laughs> I, I can drink this like all day. Like I want more.
0: <laughs> I think texture is one of those things that we we don't pay enough attention to in wine. I think so many times we're looking at at you know, aromatics and flavors and what is the fruit profile, but texture, you know, just like food, texture plays such a big role in the enjoyment of wine. Oh, yeah. So I love how you describe how it feels in your mouth, not just how it tastes, but like, you know, what is it? What does it make you think of? Like, what are some of the emotions and some of the images that are conjured when you drink this wine? It feels good.
1: <laughs> it feels like I want more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like it. It, it it's, it's like when you put it in your mouth and it's like. It fills your it fills the whole thing, but you're only taking a sip, you know that's why it's like it feels very mm-hmm. comforting um but then it but then it's also light and like and then it's like you know warm and it's like a comfort wine, like comfort food, but comfort wine, yeah. You know, feels
0: good. And it's not overwhelming either. Like I, this kind of cleans up after itself too, which is what I like. This is a red wine that doesn't feel heavy and cloying and mm-hmm. no. And I, I think that's a, you know, that's also a, a wonderful thing about Italian wines is they can be really robust, but they often have enough acidity and brightness to sort of come back and leave your palate feeling fresh. Like you can keep coming back for more, just like great cooking, as I'm sure, you know. Exactly.
1: <laughs> that's why, that's why uh, Italian dinner takes five hours because they're drinking (laughs) drinking bottles and bottles and bottles of wine and multiple courses of food. So I I get it. You know, I I love this. This is really good. What is this?
0: Brunello. We both selected this because you have some pretty high profile clients um, who I'm sure are very discerning. And I wanted something that that had a score associated with it. So this is actually a hundred point wine from James Suckling, but it's also not crazy expensive, nor is it a really like flashy, ostentatious producer. So in Italy, like you have the big guys, like you have Bassetto and Ortolaya and Sassicaia and like sort of the big names. But this is such an amazing wine and it's not only an amazing wine, but it's an amazing value. And it's something that's like flies a little bit under the radar that sort of people in the know would know about. So I thought this would be fun for you to like Mm -hmm. have in your back pocket is like, you know, my favorite one is the San Filippo Brunello di Montecino. And <laughs> maybe you've heard of it. It got hundred points. I don't know. I just thought that would be <laughs> I just put myself in your shoes and I was like, what would I want if I were Chef KK?
1: I love it. And and I love the bottle. Like, I love how just heavy it is and like how thick the glass is. Like, I like how the bottle feels when I pour, you know, a glass. Um, I think um when I was like unloading, you know, you guys gave me so much wine, and when I was like open, you know, bringing it all out the box, I was like, <sighs> of course you have to grab grab the bottle, and I was noticing how the different bottles felt, um, mm-hmm. and the the San Filippo like it really felt really well, like good. It just felt like a rich bottle.
0: I think wine is like food. You know, we everyone says you eat with your eyes first, so it has to look good. And I think wine Mm -hmm. is kind Mm -hmm. of the same way. You know, if you are not a fan of the packaging and you're not a fan of maybe the color of the wine, like there's a strong possibility that you may be predestined to not enjoy the wine itself. Um, You know, sometimes you can't, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but I will say there there is a psychological aspect to the enjoyment of wine that does involve taking in all of the sensory experiences that you have whilst enjoying a bottle of wine. Very
2: true. I'm curious, Amanda, because you brought up sort of, you know, you know, using your eyes to appreciate something. So so, Chef, what do you think about, you know, all the posting on social media of of what people are eating? Do you like that or do you think it's silly? I
1: I love it? I think that it's dope. I love that people have gotten so, um, more interested in food. I, I, like I said, I've seen it just become so popular right before my eyes. Um, just going back. So even when I decided to be a private chef, um, I used to go to culinary school and I just remember like as soon as class was over and I'm about to meet up with my friends or something, like, I'm just like, ripping off my chef coat because it it was almost like not embarrassing but it's just like eh, what the fuck do you got on you know like um, to see how much people like are interested in food now and um, love to post their pictures and like appreciate what good food looks like and um, what goes into it I, I, I love it I love to see that like it's so more respected now Now people have the platform to um, show their creativity and their talents because it's an art. And, you know, I'm here for all the Instagram food images left and right.
0: I love it. I, I feel like I've gotten so many great tips and tricks from Instagram and learning from other chefs. And
1: that's the beauty of cooking is that you can Create as you go along. You can do so many different things. Everybody has the ability to be creative. Opposed to baking, it's like, no, you have to follow this exact recipe or it's
0: not going to be correct. Speaking of baking, I read that you went to Charleston in search of the perfect biscuit and found it. Can you reveal which biscuit you found?
1: Callie's. <laughs> Callie's biscuits.
0: Yes. I know Callie's. You can actually get Callie's on Gold Belly. You can have them delivered here.
1: I'm doing it today. I'm doing it today when we get off. When we get off. Oh. <laughs> I bought the cookbook
0: and like it is really the best biscuit in the world. So what do they what do they do differently? Like break down the process and what were you doing that they were doing?
1: OK, so just being from California, biscuits isn't like a native thing for a L.A. girl. Mm-hmm. You know, that's more of a southern girl type of thing. So I I always wanted to, like, make a really good biscuit from scratch. And it it always seems so easy when somebody else is doing it until you start doing it. And it's just like, okay, I'm doing this so wrong. Um, And so their recipe, um, like we all know, biscuits usually cost for really cold butter and just, like, you know, flour and buttermilk. Theirs is room-temperature butter. And cream cheese. Oh. Whoa. It is something that I've never seen before. And it is like the best biscuit. It's so flavorful. It's really flaky. It's really buttery. It's like moist, but it's kind of dense. When I was there, we had like a biscuit breakfast sandwich. And it had like um, their homemade pimento cheese on it with bacon and eggs. Oh, I love pimento And it was just so good oh my god I had the best food (laughs) I had the best food in Charleston we went to Husk it's amazing oh my god we went to Husk yes I had boiled peanuts for the first time (laughs) blew my mind they shouldn't be that good right blew my mind it was so funny my sister just ordered some you know some appetizers for the for the table as we're just waiting and I was tired it was just like oh I don't care and she ordered these boiled peanuts I'm like I don't even like peanuts you know like you know, who cares about these peanuts on the table? Like, And they're eating them and I'm just not caring at all. Just just kicking back. And then she's like, you know, Kaylee, you really got to try this. You really got to try this. And they're almost like more than halfway done. And then I finally like pick one up and try it. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is the best. This is another best thing I've ever had in my life because it was boiled peanuts, but it was like pickled jalapeno in it, Mm. the pickled jalapeno flavor, and then the texture of boiled peanuts. That was the narrative of the rest of our whole night. Like we're walking down the streets of Charleston, South Carolina, (laughs) calling them boilets, like cracking jokes, like talking about these like Southern boiled peanuts. And it was just like remarkable. And I I love Charleston for that.
0: Like we, we had some really, really, really good food there. It was so good. It's an amazing food scene. Did you have the coconut cake at Peninsula Grill? No, I love coconut. <laughs> so I actually tried to order one recently because a friend of mine uh, had a birthday and she used to work at McCready's in Charleston. And I was introduced to this cake a year or so ago because it was someone's favorite cake and we had ordered it from the restaurant from Peninsula Grill. This cake. I am not I like coconut. It's good. I'm actually not a big shaped ho- coconut person. This cake is like this high. It's like 10 layers high. <gasps> it is impossibly like light but dense and like mm. it's so sweet but like it also isn't coing. It is not cloying its the most insane cake I've ever had and I went to go order it again um and they they stopped deli- they stopped sending them out. So you you like have to go to Charleston. I don't know if it's like a covid thing but oh. next time you're in Charleston, you have to get the Peninsula Grill I'm going. coconut cake. Am it am is going. in Sanity Because
1: um, I have to go back to Husk I have to go back to Husk And now I have to Go to the peninsula And try this cake Because I love Coconut Coconut anything yeah. Sign me up <laughs>
0: Are you enjoying the wine? Is there one that you're going back to more so than the other?
1: It's the red. It's the red for me. It's the red for me. (laughs) Like, I just, I love red wine. I really, really, really do. I'm not, I'm just not a rosé person like that. Rosé doesn't really give me anything. Mm -hmm. I, I never, I've never understood why people love it so much. And I mean, I guess it's because, like you said, it's like a, It's a daytime, it's a daytime, I'm on a yacht, I'm enjoying the sun, wine, and I get it. But I'm just not on that yacht often <laughs> like so, I think we just need to get you on more yachts, <laughs> yeah, I need to be on more yachts and enjoy enjoying the daytime, but I don't know i just I have noticed though that I have been like I've been cooking with uh rose more mm. and you know even if it's like something like just making a pasta or a sauce mm-hmm. um for like some fish or something like I'll just use the rose as I would use a white wine and
0: um. I really like it. I actually really kind of like it more. Than That's interesting. Flowers. I mean, it makes sense. Rose has a, a you know a touch of tannin. White wine doesn't really have tannin because it doesn't see the the skins of the grapes. But rose gets a little kiss of the skin, so it you know it would have a little bit more body and more texture, and uh, maybe add a little bit more structure to the sauces that you're using. <clears throat> I'm gonna try that. Yeah, I the two between the two of us, we would have figured that out. But I've actually never tried to cook. No. With- oh, really. Mm-mm. I haven't
2: either. Oh no.
0: But like a, you know, like a white wine garlic uh, with like a little tomato in it using rosé instead of the white wine. Yeah. I think that would be really yes. delicious. Almost yes. like a tomato, like a tomato water. I like this
1: idea. Exactly. No, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've used it just, just off of the strength of just like, oh, I don't have a white wine. Okay. Well, I'll use a rosé, you know? And then I'm just like, oh, this is really, this is really great. It's, it's mm. really, really, really good. Wow.
0: I'm. I'm impressed. Like I'm. So Look at all this learning going on in this podcast. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like. We have an overabundance of wine in our homes, so we're rarely out of anything. <laughs> I see. It's like I am out of champagne though right now. What? What is? that? Is that wine? That's both. That's wine
2: and champagne. This is. Well, I do have one bottle of sparkling wine from the UK, but um, but no, this is. These are all samples that I have to taste. Notice she said have to taste. This is my job right here
1: how it, right how is it like how is it with your job being that you have to like try all these different wines and stuff like do you how is it like are you tipsy often or like does it affect you or like does it
2: all get overwhelming or do you have to drink a lot of water like well so when i'm tasting wine when i'm for work when i'm assessing wine as a like as a wine professional i'm not actually drinking the wine so amanda was holding up a solo cup like we sp- we spit the wine out. So it's really sad. I probably spat out more wine than most people drink in their entire life. But um, yeah, I would not be able to function (laughs) if I actually drank all the wine. (laughs) Okay, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) And then, you know, if there's something that's really good, you you know, end of the day, you go back to it and you enjoy a glass. But
1: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how do you do this? Like, how do you have this job? Because it's just in talking to you guys. And I've had a little bit of like both and I'm already like, I'm kind of tipsy. Like, I'm not tipsy, but, you know, I'm just like, how could you? I couldn't imagine this just being my my job all the time. It's like, I just drink wine all day, you know, like, you know, so it's just interesting. It's,
0: you know, it's tough, but somebody else to do it.
1: For real. Like, we need people like you guys in this world. Like, we need you guys. Like, seriously. We're we, happy
0: to to be of assistance. We're on the we're on the front lines of your palate. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Here for you. <laughs>
0: No, it's. I mean, we 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 spit a lot of wine, but we also enjoy a lot of wine, and you know, also when you even when you're spitting, you still it, the alcohol still sort of absorbs in your mouth, so there is like a, a haziness that comes over you when you're tasting a lot of wines. But I really like this Brunello. I am so glad you like this Brunello. Good. <laughs> in case anyone was wondering, I really like it. <laughs> what would you pair with this Brunello?
1: Uh-huh anything anything
0: you're like i'm hungry just I
1: mean, anything I mean, I mean, now. <laughs> life um <laughs> oh my god uh, i feel like a cheese board would just do really well with this oh my god like a a really bomb um bolognese with mm, this
0: yes Oof.
1: yeah it's oh my god and especially with it was so interesting when i learned how to like really make a really good bolognese i was like it doesn't have red wine in it it has white wine in it oh yeah bolognese has white wine in it and
0: milk yeah, I don't use white wine, but I, I do use milk. Yes. And I actually, bolognese is one of the few things that I really excel at. I had to perfect it. It was one of my clients, like,
1: it's his favorite. He can eat it every day. Me too. So I was making bolognese like three times a week. For sure. I just feel like the creaminess of the bolognese mm. with the tomato and the, like the carrot and like the all the fresh veggies that's in it. I just feel like a bolognese would just go so good with this right now. Just, I'm just tasting a,
0: Italy. Like, I'm tasting Italian food. I'm tasting like a, you know, they say what grows together goes together. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So
1: I can see a veal with this, like a really good veal chop. Um, yes. It's that diverse. I feel
2: like it's great. Have you ever gotten really nervous to cook for somebody before?
1: I'll get like, not nervous, but like, Okay. Yeah. Nervous. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think I start overthinking like mm-hmm. I just got to make sure I, I got to do this right. I do this right. Um, I, I know. Um, so one of my newest clients is Diddy. And we've we've heard of him. Yes. I don't know if you guys heard of this guy. His name is Diddy. Um, He's known as Puff Daddy and, you know, a few other things. But um, um, but Diddy, um, when I got, you know, his information, because, you know, I get like, you know, what they like, what they don't like. um, What are their favorites? You know, complete what you need to completely stay away from, which, you know, so you get this rundown um, of each person because everybody's different, you know. Um, But I remember I was just like reading it. Over and over and over again. And I'm in the store and I have it in front of me. And I'm just like, okay, he doesn't (laughs) like, okay, he likes that. Okay. And it was like, it's just those things of like, I just got to make sure I do this right. You know? And I I remember him like telling me like on my second or third day, like for the first time in a really long time, I felt really pushed. I felt really pushed to like Mm. perform. Mm. And I always feel like I perform every time without, push because I feel like I push myself. But I was like, I got to deliver. Like, I got to come with it. <laughs> I got to do something. He was like, I'm trying to eat something different every day. And I'm like, I cook different every day, you know, but it was like, I had to do more. And it was really one of those like, yo, I just had a ditty moment. He let me have it. Like, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta do it, you know? And that was a little bit of a you know, a little nervous moment. And yeah. But overall, I just always want to just do my best, you know, and and then when it's a new client, it's like you don't really know. You know, you don't really know exactly what they want. But mm. I, I learn my clients too. This is my little trick. This is how I learn my clients. I learn my clients by um, their plates. So after they eat, mm. I like to see their plates after they eat. I like to see what they ate more of, what they ate less of. If they ate the whole plate, then great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But it lets me know, like, okay, ooh, okay, they didn't really eat that much of that. And and it might not just be me. It could be just their moods or whatnot. But I like to pay attention to their plates, especially when it's like a day-to-day client. It's like you learn like, okay, they really like this or they really like that. And that's a good way to learn learn more about your client yeah. and what you're giving
0: them. It makes sense. And I think we had asked earlier, like what is your most requested dish? And so it makes sense that, you know, you just sort of listen to the client and, and use that as your creative constraint to dictate how you cook for them moving forward. So I think it's a smart and great way to do it. And clearly you're doing something right because... Because they keep calling you and you're a busy girl. So what's next? You're going to be releasing these seasonings. Where and when can we find them? So um, next will be the
1: seasoning release. I um, mean, It's in production right now. Of course, with COVID and everything that's been going on. It's like a little bit of, of a delay. I have the seasoning, um, I have the saffron agency, which is an agency of chefs that I have scouted out and vetted and trained um, to be at the caliber of um, what I think is acceptable as a private chef. Um, so I've been working really hard on the saffron agency as well as my seasoning um, due to COVID. I've tapped into Zoom and doing the cooking classes on Zoom. Mm. Um, so that's been really fun. And we're working on the cookbook. We're working on the cookbook and we're just living day by
0: day through this, through this pandemic and through this 2020. You're doing all the things. I love it. <laughs> well you are very very busy and we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to hang out and drink wine with us today and share stories and it's been so much fun to get to talk to you so thank, thank you thank you i really really appreciate being on this with you guys like and all this
1: wine is like it's great <laughs> it's delicious anything you need you <laughs> just
0: you just let us know you know, if you've got extra biscuits, just we're in Napa Valley. Send them north. We'll send you some Sauvignon Blanc. That would right. be great. I love it. Well, thank you again. I We, we appreciate you taking the time. And we'll look forward to seeing you soon, hopefully. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you guys. Well, I am sufficiently hungry. I don't know about you, Vanessa. I'm always hungry, Amanda.
2: <laughs> you, you should know this about me by now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like just more so than than we usually are because we've talked about so many delicious foods namely one of my favorite things that I was shocked she had never done before radishes and butter I
2: know I, I'm seriously heading to the store right after this that's my fave it's like such a great like you feel very decadent but it's kind of healthy at the same time
0: it's the perfect way to describe it and please make sure you do get Strauss butter or I, we won't be friends anymore I, I won't know what to do with you you have my word. <laughs> So between radishes and butter and Callie's biscuits and rosé, which I'm definitely trying her little trick with uh, with using rosé and cooking more, you you haven't done it either, right?
2: No, no. I mean, I, I know we've both cooked a lot with white wine and, and red wine, but no, it's not something that I've done before. And yeah, I'm definitely going to
0: take that tip and apply it. I love it. Well, it's a great tip. And speaking of tips, what were our last drops today? We drank some rosé, we drank some Brunello. You know, I always just like talking to chefs. I
2: think it's fascinating the way they describe flavors. So I just, you know, my takeaway is I'm still hungry and I want to talk to more chefs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My takeaway is that we found two really food-friendly wines that I think aren't Always appreciate it as such. Rose is one of the most versatile wine pairings and something that I love playing around with. And even though, you know, we find ourselves in the the cooler months right now, I still think rose is one of them is a year-round drinkable, drinkable wine that can pair with many different things. And Brunello kind of the same, you know, whether it's warm or whether it's, you know, super cold outside, like I think it's about to be. I love Brunello and it's a super pairable wine that goes with many, many different foods. And I cannot wait to try her, her spice situation. I need to know what, what exists in this like little concoction of hers.
2: Yeah. And I think you, you were spot on too with those two wines in terms of doesn't matter kind of that it's cooler weather for something like Rosé because it's so versatile. And especially I think, you know, these cooler months and sometimes we're gathered around holiday meals where there's lots of different flavors and it can kind of go with, with a a really wide array.
0: Yeah. Wines that ebb and flow. That's sort of my jam. I like wines that you can love it you can throw a jacket over and it goes with everything <laughs> um <laughs> i don't want to keep you from your food any longer but we do want to make sure that we tell everyone to subscribe to this podcast review this podcast Give us a five star rating if you've got a second. We'd super appreciate it. And where could we potentially find these wines, Vanessa? Because I'm sure now everyone is going to be excited to drink some Brunello and some Rosé.
2: You can find them at WineAccess.com, and remember, you can follow us on Instagram at WineAccess and on Facebook on the Wine Access Experience.
0: I love it. As ever, I'm so proud of you for plugging social media. On that note, we are also at Wine Access Unfiltered on Instagram and at Wine Access Pod on Twitter and we are active. We do the things and you can see little clips of this podcast in video form there. So thank you everyone so much for listening. Vanessa, thank you always for being a wonderful drinking companion. And with that, let's say cheers. Cheers.